Hey! You ready for this episode? Yep. <clears throat> we gotta clear our throats. That's <laughs> uh, early in the morning. Ah, uh, oh, oh, aha! <laughs> okay, Elvis. Alright, everybody, this episode we're gonna be discussing modern westerns. Modern westerns. Uh, There's a well, plethora of westerns out there, so I think we're gonna revisit this. Maybe not next episode or anything, but we're gonna revisit the genre, definitely, of westerns. There's so many different little nick, you know, nooks and crannies of the western. You could do, like, an episode with, like, three every week. Yeah. Just, like, oh, horror westerns, uh, spaghetti westerns. Right. Uh, noir westerns. Um, actually, I don't think there's any noir westerns. I made that up. Yeah. Uh, so this one, it's not modern-made westerns, you know, like uh, Silverado and... Open range. Yeah, open range. You know, stuff like that. Stuff made in the last, like, 20, 30 years. You know, not modern age, but westerns set in the modern day. Because uh, I said something to somebody else about this, and they got very confused. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're not talking about this one, but there is one. Um, it's Last Man Standing. That was not quite modern age, but it was set in the 40s. Uh, yeah, but it was the same thing. Another Bruce Willis movie is Sunset. You know, where it's in the 20s and it's kind of like a Western. Yeah, it's it's but a it Western, but it's not a Western, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. What's the first one we got? Well, the first one we're starting off is the one I watched last night, Straight to Hell. The pipes, the pipes hey, Norwood. How's it going? From Glen to Glen. Town. You only have one boss. You watch the Redux because that's right. The one I've never I seen the original. You. That's the only version that you you don't want to watch the original. Why? What's the difference? It's truncated. It has less uh, charm. Yeah. <laughs> if you can imagine, and it doesn't have any of the odd, interesting things like they throw in the stop motion. Yeah, that was stuff. actually quite interesting. Uh, no, I just didn't. Th- I didn't know that there was going to be stop motion animation, and it. it threw me off. I was like, what? And I didn't know if that was part of the original no, or it's not. No, not. It didn't have that stuff in it, and it didn't have. If you watch the movie, you won't notice much character development, but there. There is character development in the Redux more than the other one. The Redux is much more enjoyable. I've seen it. I've seen the first one once, and I didn't like it. The original, this new Redux, I watched, and I I kind of enjoyed it. But then this last time, I've seen it three times now. It, I really quite enjoyed it. It wasn't nearly as annoying. I think it's going to be a movie that is going to grow on me. Uh, I found myself a little bored in the middle. Yeah. I feel like the, it was just kind of spinning its wheels mm-hmm. and nothing interesting. You know, I will say this, besides the stop motion animation, the parts that I really enjoy are the music scenes. There's two parts of the movie where it basically stops and they have like this big sing-along thing. And I thought that was like, wow, that's interesting. I want to I want to pay attention to this. Well, But it helps that the movie is, almost everybody cast in it is a musician, a musician right. correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, Cy Richardson and Xander Berkeley, I think, are the only actual actors. Well, there's Dennis Hopper in a cameo, but I mean, for the most part, it's just musicians. Yeah, the uh, the whole thing started as a tour for Nicaragua, I think, for the Sandinistas uh, in support of them, because Alex Cox and Joe Strummer were really into the whole South American unrest thing and helping those people down there. But then they found that they couldn't actually do the tour because of the unrest. So they decided to make this movie instead and shot it where all those spaghetti westerns are shot. And it's cool. 
cool and they did it for a real small budget. I imagine the Redux has a lot more enhanced effects and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's got all, that's where all the, the blood splatter came from because they didn't have any cussing in the movie and they still got a rated R. And they're like, well, we did everything that we could to try to not make it a rated R, but they made it a rated R. Yeah, there's a lot of blood. Wow, crazy. They went ahead in this one and just threw in all the blood. What the deal is with the, the Redux thing is, it's well, it's called Straight to Hell Returns. What the deal is, is he was making uh, his sequel to Repo Man, Repo Girl, and the people who worked on that, because they use a lot of miniatures and some stop motion and stuff like this, this is where he gets the stop motion from. That crew was like, yeah, we'll work on it with you. And so they started adding the special effects back in and putting scenes back into the film and then adding little flourishes like the stop motion. Have you seen Repo Girl? I'm afraid to watch it. I love Repo Man so much that uh, I, I realize I feel like it's just going to ruin it for me. No, it doesn't. It's not related, but it's it's pretty good for what it is, and it's weird. So the plot for Straight to Hell is a little confusing. At the same time, it's insanely simple. So that's why I feel like an idiot. Basically, you have your three criminals yeah. coming into this little nothing town, and it, it, isn't it a remake of a spaghetti? It's Western? a remake it of a, a Django bit... movie called Django Kill. If you live, shoot. 1967. <laughs> I've actually seen that one. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. not got Django in it, but I mean, it's called Django Kill. Um, it's yeah. There's a thousand movies where Django. In yeah, it. it's it's a remake of that, but it's also a parody of spaghetti westerns. Almost everybody in this movie is just terrible, just awful pieces of crap. Yeah, almost. I mean, even I guess even the the shop owner, which I think the shop owner and his wife, I think that stuff was cut down severely in the original. Oh, okay. And then Courtney Love, almost unrecognizable. It's like it's her, but you know how. Um, okay, so you've seen The Mask, obviously. Jim Carrey, The Mask. Yeah. You know when the villain, he gets changed? Mm-hmm. And it's basically just like this extra layer on his face. It looks oh, right. like him, but it's not yeah, him. Yeah. That's she's, what Courtney she's Love got, like. She's got carved face is what it is. She was playing the character by way of Nancy Spungen. Sid and Nancy was also directed by Alex Cox. And Right. And she had a cameo bit, or a bit part, not cameo, but a bit part in Sid and Nancy. But she based her performance on, I forget her name, the actress who was also in Twins, who played Nancy Spungen. Oh, Chloe, Chloe Webb? No. Yeah, the, the very annoying, obnoxious portrayal of Nancy. She's running around pregnant with that. So isn't isn't it size kid? I, I can't remember. Uh, the movie's I very weird. There's so many characters. I, it's insane. Every time I feel like yeah. I'm starting to get to know a character they dump another one on me for another five minutes and i'm just like but i wait what or someone will show up for like a minute then they'll kill a handful of characters and then <laughs> and come more yeah and, and uh jim yeah. shows oh, he's, up for a minute right he's the like, big hey he's, he's the big oh, boss <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, we haven't really cracked this story, and uh, we're not going to. This is just a bonkers, weird western. Yeah, it's a strange that movie. If you're going to watch it, and I suggest you do at least once, at least if you're into sort of alternative cinema, not even indie, whatever. Screw that term, indie. Alternative here. Yeah, this is more midnight. Yeah, this is an alternative cinema sort of thing. Go for it, but try to get Straight to Hell Returns. The other thing about Straight to Hell that kind of bothers me is that the song Straight to Hell isn't in it. It's one of the best Clash songs ever. That's kind of strange. I wonder why. I, yeah, I don't know either. Could get the and rights. Joe Strummer's in it. So, I yeah, I was... Yeah, I know. Meh. Seems like an obvious. Alright, our second movie. We got Way of the Gun. Yes. For the record, I'll call myself Mr. Parker. My associate will be Mr. Longbow. At some point, it became clear to us that our path had been chosen, and we had nothing to offer the world. So we stepped off the path and went looking for the fortune that we knew was looking for us. And here was the thing. The longest distance between two points is a kidnapper and his money. Wait, 
Well, we were through jerking around. What I heard was you ready to put a woman's life at risk for money. Not money. Fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million dollars. You are here because you were for sale. And you will do as you are told. You just bring me back my baby. You're not going to make it out of here alive. What kind of kidnapping is this? I got all night long. I'm not moving. Test me. Can't you people see there are guns here? Wave the gun. Which I wanted to choose for a road movie a few months ago, and uh, we kind of put it off. But they just drive in the car at a few moments in the movie, and it's not exactly a road movie. Okay. It is a western. An excellent modern day western. Boy, is it. It's like a Peck and Paul movie, but I'm bored with Peck and Paul when I watch this. Uh, a lot of his slow mo drives me up. Way of the Gun, though, McQuarrie w- had just done Usual Suspects. He's a writer. Right. Who is and going to be doing the was... next Mission Impossible? Oh, that's neat. Well, he was trying to get some other stuff off the ground in Hollywood, and nobody ever wanted to touch it. And so he had a meeting with Benicio, and Benicio's just like, well, whatever you want. How about. <laughs> I can't do a good impression of Benicio del Toro. I just love how he mumbles. So he encouraged him to write another crime film. So Macquarie's approach was, let's follow some irredeemable characters and try to get the audience on their side. <laughs> and boy, does it work. Yeah, and this one, I mean, it's a crime movie, but it's an action-packed crime movie. I mean, there's really not a wasted moment either. you got an amazing dialogue going on, or you have one of the best action sequences. Every action sequence is really, really well thought out. It's as if he had talked to a SWAT specialist. There is a movie... Um... Oh, no, that's his brother. His brother is an ex-Navy SEAL. Okay. So his brother was on set telling them, the two dudes in particular, the combat tactical styling that they did with their... And they were also, uh, they did trigger theory. You don't hold the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Right. There is a movie with Robert Patrick and Michael Rooker. It must have been designed by the same guy because it almost has the same exact setup. Rogue Force. The movie's not very good, but the action sequences are brilliant. And uh, I get the same feeling when I watch it in Way of the Gun is that uh, someone really, really thought them out. And there's not not a single wasted bullet. There's not, uh, every single thing, it's like a chess game. You know, watching them move from... Oh, wait. There is a moment in the film, and it's at the end, when... There's this big shootout. There's a moment in the film where they don't reload at all. But before that, every single bullet is accounted for. But when that scene comes, it's an homage to general action movies that never reload. Right. Uh, the plot of the movie basically is they're hired to kidnap Juliette Lewis, who is pregnant, and basically demand money because she's actually a surrogate for this rich couple yeah. that uh, this yep. lady's just too lazy to have a baby. Lady Basically, it seems too lazy to do anything. So they get Juliette at Lewis to be the surrogate. She gets kidnapped and taken to Mexico. Yeah. They hire Nikki Cat. No, no, no. Nikki Cat's already part of the team, right? Nikki Cat and... They're the fixer guys. Yeah. Tay Diggs, Tay Diggs and Nikki Cat. Um, this is the movie where I really started... I never heard of... I knew of Tay Diggs from How Stella Got Her Groove Back, but I had never seen Stella. it. Yeah. I'm ne- probably never going to see it, honestly. It's just not my wheelhouse. So I knew who he was, but I'd never seen right. Max. So I was really interested in him. But it was Nikki Cat. After seeing this, I was like, holy crap, who is this guy? And then immediately after Way of the Gun came out, he was in Boston Public. I became a huge fan of that until they took him off and screw it. I don't want to watch anymore. TV, what's that? <laughs> uh, Way of the Gun. Um, I love that the choices made by the actors are just just kill me because uh, Ryan Felipe decided to act the entire movie as if he had burnt the roof of his mouth. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, that's, are you that sure? was his, like, I was listening to the commentary that... track when it came out and they go, that was his his actor's choice is that he wanted to, he wanted to combine Dustin Hoffman with uh, someone who had burnt the roof of their mouth. So, uh, uh, this the whole time. That's funny because he comes off 
kind of like Brando. Yeah, he kinda, uh, well, here's a, here's something else that's pretty funny. He he has a scene at the very beginning of the movie, which is just it's a triumphant scene for anybody who's ever had to deal with a loudmouth woman who antagonizes and instigates. But it's also taboo because he punches her in the face, and the woman is um, Sarah Silverman, yeah. and she just unloads with a torrent of filth and horrible. But I love the guy them. that's with them and because the guy comes up all confident. Yeah, well, he's also kind of like to her, I, uh, don't, you're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> anyway, the, the, she does get ahead of herself and Ryan Phillippe punches her in the face and actually knocked her out. What, in real life? Yes. Wow. <laughs> he hit her too hard. He, he, he didn't pull and he knocked her out. It was an accident. He spent the rest of the time on set with her apologizing. Wow, that's, that sucks. <laughs> I didn't break or anything, you know, knock a tooth out or break her nose. I, I she was she had to get makeup done, but she was out cold, wow. and she woke up seeing him over her crying. <laughs> what a oh, story! Oh, and then um, Jeffrey Lewis and James Caan come in in the middle uh, as basically like guns for hire to get Julia Vet- Lewis back. Yeah, veteran guns. I think it's James Caan's most confident role in decades. I mean, not since like the probably like Thief has he been so confident. Yeah. I just really loved his character. My favorite line of his is uh, the only thing you can assume about an old man is that he's a survivor. And I was like, hell yeah, he's a, this is a great dialogue. Yeah, this whole movie's full of great dialogue. Yeah, when it came out, the critics hated it. They did. They hated it, and it didn't do very well. But luckily. He shot it real cheap. He shot it for like five million, so made its money back. And, and it's it's got style all over it, but it's a hard R in that it's incredibly violent and possibly misogynistic. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, I like the movie, but I can't stand by the. It, it does exactly what it intends to do. You're going to be with these guys that aren't redeemable, but you're going to somehow like them. Yeah, down and dirty, but who's the worst? You know, I mean. But uh, I always wonder. I always wondered, are they dead? Do you think they're uh... dead? They don't have to be. They could have crawled off. I mean, they're they're messed they're up. Really they shot up. But you know what? There are so many up. real stories, war stories of a guy with like nine bullets in him, and he still walks on, takes out a platoon. You know, it's true. Well, in Survivor shows those guys basically riddled with bullets, and they still fought. And that's a true story. Yeah. So third movie, Desperado. In bar, and then he walked. You saw his face. His face. I mean, every step he took towards the light, just when you thought his face was about to be revealed, it wasn't. It was as if the lights dimmed, just for him. They called him a loner. I know who you are. Willie. You kill drug dealers. They called him a miss. You've heard stories of that man that carries a guitar case full of weapons. Find him and kill him. I hope you don't think you can take someone like Ucho by yourself. They made the mistake of calling his bluff. Is there something in the guitar case? Now, it's time to face the music. Let's play. Desperado, the new film from Robert Rodriguez. I was a teenager when El Mariachi came out and I was watching Cinemax and I was watching, I just barely started it. My dad came and he's like, what's this? And I was like, this is a new movie that came out and it was made for $5,000 with, I already knew all the info, with two VCRs uh, to edit the thing on expired film stock and he had to dub everything himself. So I watched that and I was super, super impressed with that movie. Yeah, I saw it after Desperado and I got bored. Oh, (laughs) darn. There's some amazing, did 
just some brilliant shots, like the, the guy's running down the boardwalk and he slides with his boots and it's just perfect on the heels of his boots. But Desperado came out and that was given a much larger budget. It gets sillier. Bad, bad gun technique, but looks really neat on film. But the best... Oh, throwing the bullets? Yeah. Throwing the yeah. bullets is always my... The best <laughs> stuff, I think, in the film is Steve Buscemi and Tarantino Cami. Those are probably the most fun parts. Yeah, well, I saw this on Labor Day, 95. I had just come back from college and we went to a double feature, Desperado and Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and both have not aged as well as I thought. I have to take Desperado with the thought that it's basically Looney Tunes. It is a cartoon. Live action, action, violent thing. Mortal Kombat sucks. I'm, I can't even back that nope. up for anything. Uh, Desperado though, uh, I I loved it. I watched it over and over and over. So you're you're putting Desperado in the same, but probably not as extreme as Shoot 'Em Up. I hate Shoot 'Em Up with an unwavering passion because it's so desperate to get your affection. I don't know why. That's a Looney Tunes. Guns with it Looney Tunes. Is. I like the, the action. I like the action part, but I think the movie in general is just cynical. Let's just grab your cash dollar. Aren't we so cool? Kind of thing. Desperado has a whole hmm. different attitude. Yes, there was a period where I watched it over and over and over, and then I revisited it when I was in my late twenties. I was like, oh, this is kind of stupid. This isn't anywhere nearly as cool as I thought it was. And then I saw it uh, a couple years ago, and then I thought, well, hold on. If I view it as completely out of reality, as if this was a, an animation adaptation, you know, like it had the same attitude, style, whatever. I can tolerate Desperado more than I can shoot him up by a long shot, but I'm not going to be able to see Desperado like a lot through the rest of my life. I'll probably watch it one more time and I'll be good. I think maybe what happened is you watched it too much and now you just deconstructed Well, it's it. also the age uh, that you so see that. it at. When you're 18, you just want to see action. You're not so much into the whole plot. And especially, I was a John Woo fanatic. I had seen The Killer, then Hard Boiled, and uh, Hard Target, and I became obsessed with the double gun. Anything with, If I saw a trailer, no matter how bad it was if I saw a guy sliding around with two guns in hands uh, I, I was like yeah I'm there I'm totally there I have to see this I saw I saw a lot of bad direct-to-video <laughs> movies man from the 90s yes well this is 95 yeah. or 6 anyway Desperado is essentially a remake of El Mariachi but it's not quite a remake it has callbacks to literal characters that were in El Mariachi but this time El Mariachi is played by Antonio, Antonio Banderas instead of the original guy and uh, Salma Hayek's in it that's this is one of her first flashes in American cinema. Speaking of flashes, yeah, she's she's a very pretty lady. And she's still cool. She did a movie called Everly just recently, which might go on Christmas list later. Yeah, is it good? But I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it, it's a Christmas time movie, so I think it's gonna be one of mine. I like her. Uh, have you ever seen Banditas? Yeah, that's a western flick too, with Penelope Cruz. <laughs> Penelope Cruz. Anyway, I, we can talk forever about these lovely Spanish ladies. And this is the first time I ever saw Danny Trejo, or at least it's the first time he registered. I know he did a ton of action movies before that, but I think it was kind of before my time. Yeah, he was on uh, Runaway yeah, Train. Runaway Train, with John Death Voight Wish and Eric Roberts, and he trained them how to box in that movie because he was in prison, and in prison he boxed yeah, yeah. and got out, and he went legit and became a movie guy. And this is the movie where he plays the precursor to Machete. Oh, he's supposed to be Machete in Spy Kids. I had no idea it was the same character. Yeah, he's Machete in Spy Kids, but this is like the proto Yeah, I was just surprised. He's got a bunch of knives and all that stuff. But this movie, if you like Tarantino, it has elements 
moments that are very Tarantino, especially dialogue with Steve Buscemi and Tarantino himself. But it's a Robert Rodriguez film, so it's not going to be as thick with that. Uh, and it is lighter. He likes to do drive-in movies, basically. Right. And I dig it. I just watched it recently. Uh, I haven't watched it in years. So when you do this, you watch something when you're younger much more often. Yeah. You don't have a lot of the options. That yeah, you're now doing it's now. out of you control. You have so many options now that you have to really set time aside to watch something old that you used to watch a lot. Which is what we end up doing for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually beneficial for the show because I don't uh, often get to revisit odd things. Anyway, I like it. Desperado's good. It's better than Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which is the third in which the Which I have saga. not seen since it came out. That one's just way too long and too convoluted and kind of boring. All right, number four, Frontera. No, it's not Frontera. We're going to mention Frontera. That's not on this list. But it's a pretty good one. It's on Netflix. It is good. I wasn't sure if it counted as a Western or a detective. It's it's a little bit of both. Uh, the very end cap wasn't as satisfactory, but that could have gone on for another 15 minutes and fully fleshed out the Western aspect of it. Right. But, Frontera, check it out. It's got Michael Pena in it, who is in the new Ant-Man movie. So, we're talking about A Night in Old Mexico. This isn't the uh, Bovie Ranch, is it? Well, it was. Now it's Rancho Vista Estates. What do you want? I'm your grandson. How'd you lose your ranch? Damn conspiracy. Y'all going down south of Mexico? I gladly buy the gas. I seen you got some beer right there, too. Yeah, I don't remember saying that beer was community property. Say, oh man, pull over. I gotta take a leak. Good idea. They left a few bucks in the car. Ain't nothing to dwell on. 50,000. I think somebody's looking for us. Drop the money. Uh, over my dead body. You're just gonna have to find somebody else to pick on, see? I'm old. I'm broken. I'm alone. And I'm more scared of dying with somebody spoon-feeding me oatmeal than anything else in the world. I'm gonna get your money back. Forget about the money. You're all I got left in the world now. Here's the deal, mister. I'll come for my money! No man like you should die in bed. Not this cowboy. Alright, so this one is Robert Duvall. I can't... How old is Robert Duvall? I feel like he's 9,000. He's been doing yeah, movies he's, forever. He's always had no hair. Was he born <laughs> old? I've never yes. seen him young. <laughs> he was... As Boo Radley was probably his youngest. And he was still kind of no-haired then. Yeah, he's old. He's an old codger. And he, all he does is make westerns now. That's his thing. Basically. That's what he loves. Uh, ba uh, so this one is he's lost everything. He's e reaching the end of his life. And he's ready to put a bullet in his head when his grandson shows up. Yeah. And uh, tells him he's there to visit, and they go to Mexico for a night on the town, and it turns into something much, much bigger. This is almost more of a... You know what? I said there's no noir westerns. This is almost a noir. How is it a noir? I Just in the color and the tone, it's not really a western. It, you know, it's a drug smuggling kind of thing going on, and there's really dark characters. Okay, okay. In the, in the Night of the Hunter sort of way, a noir, yes. So basically, uh, they pick up a couple of guys on the way to Mexico, and they leave... God, I... I I watched it a couple months ago. I watched it since. They have drugs in the car, right? I watched it last night. Okay. The two dudes do a drug drop. They leave the drugs because who cares about the drugs? All they want to do is the money. But they kill the guy in the car and take his money. Then they go on the land. Then they're hitching and they spot uh, the old man and his grandson at a gas station and ask for a, a ride. And there's a cooler full of beer. One of the dudes keeps on taking beer as they got the ride from them. But they left the satchel in the car because they had to go pee. And Duvall takes off. He's like, I didn't give them permission to drink my beer. They're none the wiser 
guys are about the money in there. The two guys are like, we're going to go to Mexico, follow them to get the money back. In the meantime, there's a uh, the partner of the guy who got murdered in the car that they stole the money from. So he goes to Mexico. He calls a guy right. before he gets there, a hitman. These two guys are the noir angles. So you have the guy in the shadows watching everybody finding his moment to pounce on the two guys and get the money back. The whole adventure part of the story is noir. The rest of it is uh, family drama. Yeah. Robert Duvall is one stubborn, stubborn man. It drives you nuts. The things that he does are just so insane. But then all of a sudden the kid kind of flips. And you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. You know, when, uh, you know, the son is like the father, the, you know, the grandson is like that father. So, I mean, if he's going to be stubborn, so will his grandson. There's a good chance of that. And they both go to these limits where you're like, are you kidding me? Why? Why? Why are you still doing this? And, and uh, they're just desperate to get this money back. And uh, they're also they have a girl along the way, and I forgot how she even becomes part. Yeah, of it. Angie Cepeda is uh, the singer slash stripper named Patty Wafers, and the boy he's he's like twenty something. Okay, he's not quite a boy, but he's not quite a man. And he's immediately got a crush on her, and so he notices her name on the cutout standee that they put in the place. He recognizes her when they bump into her eventually when they're eating. She walks in, and she. She's got a mouth on her. The whole movie was pretty much PG, PG-13 until she came along. Yeah. And then she's dropping F-bombs left and right. And it's kind of funny. She's a pretty lady and she sings in the strip club and then all the jerk dudes just want to see her boobs. <laughs> and so she doesn't even do a dance. She just drops her top. And they don't even show it. They're nice yeah. enough to not exploit that. They show her from behind. And she's just standing there like, you happy now? Now, the West element is interesting, but it's more of an actor. Like you said, it's a it's more of an actor's piece. The kid, the one from Warhorse, he is excellent. I think he's really growing into be a good actor. But man, it's Robert Duvall. Every time he comes on to screen for anything, he just kills it. He is one of our most amazing actors, and he gets credit, but not—he's not like an A-lister. He never was. And it's kind of a bummer. I think he's one of those uh, secret A-listers because he's always in big projects or, or reputable projects. You know what I mean? He's like the Gene Hackman kind of guy. You know, he's not good looking, but uh, Gene Hackman got more—I think—headlining roles after um, Hoosiers than Robert Duvall. It's it's a really interesting story. At the end of it, instead of going back to Texas, he, he stays in Mexico uh, with Patty Wafers and the kid. He goes back to America yeah. with this, like, a lifelong adventure in this short amount of time. I don't have adventures like that. You don't have adventures like that. But this kid did. His hat got shot. He's got a bullet no, hole no, in I his do. hat. I, ha I, have, I have these adventures. Every <laughs> you, <weekend. laughs> you get your hat <laughs> shot. Fifth movie is Extreme Prejudice. Somewhere in America, a secret war is being waged. A war of deception. Daylight hit. Fought by a phantom army. Sergeant Buck Adwater killed Laos in 74. How can they be officially dead and two of them locked up in there? It's classified. Now, he's the only one that stands in their way. I got a feeling the next time we run into each other, we're going to have a killing. Termination with extreme prejudice. Anyone could be the enemy. Want to tell me about it? I can't talk about it. I got to do something about it. Nothing is what it seems. What the hell's the military robbing banks in Texas for? And unless he can stop them, it's poison. Everything he stands for is at stake. Very unusual. What is? Ordering the termination of an American civilian peace officer, clearly loyal to the country and in the process of bringing a known criminal to justice. We're gonna do as we're told. Right, Sergeant? The only thing that ever scared the hell out of me, Cash, was myself. We are space age high tech, and we get caught by some stone age cowboy. Nick Nolte, Extreme Prejudice. And I just watched this. It's the Walter <laughs> Hill movie I mentioned. No, I've never seen it before. 
I didn't know what to expect. I am oh, going a... to be honest now. Yeah? I'm not the biggest fan of Walter Hill movies. Oh, man. I think he's my favorite director. I think uh, John Carpenter for a long time, but now it's it's Walter Hill. I can watch almost anything he does over and over, except for um, Bullet in the Head. I can't. I don't think I'll ever be able to see that again. <laughs> uh, of course, I think he's been dropping as the years go on. Like, you know, Undisputed wasn't that great. But if you look at the beginning, you have uh, The Warriors, uh, Hard Times, <laughs> The Warriors. Well, you're shaking your head. Do you not like The Warriors? No, I hate The Warriors. What the hell? Huh? All right, we have to end this It's now. got a lot of iconic go. things to it, which I appreciate. <laughs> can you do Wally has come out and play. I get it. It's a product of its time. It's not part of the 70s that I appreciate. Uh, I don't like how it looks. I, I don't really care for the story too much. I don't care. It's the Odyssey. It's basically the Odyssey. It's amazing. Yeah. So? It doesn't have any Harryhausen skeletons. <laughs> if it had, it would be the most amazing movie ever. <laughs> See? They're fighting skeletons and dragons in the middle of New York. Yeah. You're like, what the? See? I mean, I guess it's a comic book movie, but you got to take it up a notch. Yeah, well, uh, I also saw... I saw it a long time ago, but then I saw the director's cut, which is terrible. What? Lies! Lies! Did, did they, he tries to do this. No, he tries to do this. Oh, I saw Sin City. We can make things like a comic book and put the comic book frames in here and then, oh, let's use Comic Sans. Nobody uses Comic Sans. He was a good designer. He wanted to do it back in the 70s and they wouldn't clear it. And they wouldn't clear it, but they used Comic Sans and there's a plethora of free fonts and pay fonts and they had money enough and they just went with Comic Sans, which is the worst. Sorry. What about Southern Comic? Over. You gotta love Southern Comfort. That is his. Best I, movie. No, I do. Okay, I do. Good. I do. I, I really I was, like I Southern scared. Comfort. That's my, my <laughs> favorite movie of his. That's a really good movie, <laughs> South, Southern Comfort. But this movie's somewhere in between Southern Comfort and this stuff I don't like. Uh, this is right where his career started to fall apart. He uh, he had a lot of success. Is that it? Crossroads didn't do that well, which is an excellent movie. Extreme Prejudice bombed. Johnny Handsome bombed, and then he broke down and ended up doing Forty Eight Hours too. I really really enjoy Extreme Prejudice. I think it's the manliest movie ever made next to Stone Cold. <laughs> Have you ever seen Stone Cold? That movie is dripping with Budweiser and sweat and uh, burnt tires. <laughs> oh, no. You've never seen Stone I, Cold. Oh, my God. I'm telling it you, when I was so a kid, my brother macho. kind of set the precedent. He wasn't always nice to me, so I associated stuff that he liked with things that weren't nice to me, you know? So he liked heavy metal and Stone Cold uh, and the right. biker things, and I was just like, I'm not having it. Give me my Depeche Mode. Give me my They Might Be Giants and, and uh, Mystery Science Theater at the time, which I can't stand now, but I'm not 14 anymore. What? I'm not 14 anymore. It's great for when oh, you're 14. Oh, this is breaking. Mano's Hands of Fate is still it's a great, great for episode. any age. You hurt me here, man. You hurt me. <laughs> All right, Extreme Prejudice. Powers Booth, highly underrated. He's, I love he's Powers really Booth. great in this. Powers episode. Booth, Nick Nolte used to be friends. It's uh, gotten to the point where they've gone in different directions, which is kind of a cliche, but Nick Nolte is now a sheriff in Texas. Uh across the border powers booth is he's a ranger he's not and a sheriff along... ranger oh he's a ranger yeah and somewhere along the way nick nolte's character gets involved with this secret underground like fbi group. well no cia uh, it starts <laughs> off with a bunch of sort of like people like they show a shot of a guy getting out of a car and then it shows a photo of him and a dossier sort of thing and it says he's dead and then another guy gets out of the car clancy brown and then it says he's dead another guy shows up 
and it's just various... I see, this is an awkward opening to me. I was confused from the get-go. I'm like, I see the poster, yeah. I see uh, Ranger-hatted Nick Nolte, and I do not understand what this has to do with what I saw from the poster and the trailer a long time. What is this? <laughs> they are on a mission to do what exactly? To take down Power Spooky. They're part of yeah, a covert but mission. they're not all clean. Uh, let's just say one of them. Their deaths are all faked. They're supposed to be some sort of yeah. hit squad. And I think this is his best looking role. Who? Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside, yeah, yeah. He looks really trim and, and fit. And they healthy. never show him running. Have you ever seen Michael Ironside run? It's very painful. Total Recall? Oh, really? He does this with his hands when he runs. It's insane. <laughs> no, I've never noticed. Maria Conchita Alonso's in this. And this is also the best I've seen her look. She's a pretty lady in this movie in particular. Uh, she's the the love triangle. She used to be with Powers Booth, and now she's with Nick Nolte. And it's a big pissing contest between Nick Nolte and Powers Booth, basically. You know what I just discovered? Ultimately, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, what I just discovered is that I should never sum up a plot for anything ever. I'm going to let you do that, because inside this head is a hamster on a wheel that has been drinking and playing pinball all night. <laughs> pinball! Have you ever of noticed things, it's good. when I try to describe a movie and I'm like, and, uh, uh, look, shiny objects, I gotta go. What was I talking about again? Uh. So, that's their deal. Um, in the meantime, Michael Ironside and the Kill Squad are trying to figure out a way to make it not look like their government. So they rob a bank. The bank had a lot of Powers Booth's money in it. So they rob a bank, mm -hmm. everything comes to a head, the kill squad is uh, mingling with all the, the peck and paw sized army, of, and it's actually kind of like the last scene is kind of like, kill the Mexicans. None of them have a name, but kill the Mexicans, because it's so violent. I don't know how this didn't get an X back then. Oh god, it's, it's so much gore. Uh, this is one of those movies where you have, uh, if you love character actors, you are just up to your nose in character sure. actors. You got uh, Michael Ironside, Rip Torn, Clancy Brown, William Forsyth, Larry B. Scott. Okay, here's the one I love. Tiny Zeus Lister. Yeah. Now, um, isn't Tiny his nickname already? Why is it Tiny and Zeus? Around that time, he was dabbling in uh, the wrestling. So, that his name was Zeus, number oh. no holds barred. That came 88, 89. Oh, how can I forget? And so, that's where he got the Zeus thing from. So, I think maybe they were just playing that angle up. Because huh. this was 87. I about that. It's got this really, there's various posters for it, but the one that I, we're going to put on the, the podcast uh, image thing, it's really bright and eye-catching and neon and red, a little bit of blue and cool. crazy looking. Alright, what is our the, last The last movie? movie is one of the best, most current modern westerns that I've seen, and it's an Australian film called Red Hill. When a blow-in requests a transfer to my outpost, I count on two things. Either he's lazy, or he's an upstart looking for an easy promotion. I was shot on duty, sir. The doctor said we should move somewhere quiet, away from the city. Crossing 9am, Jimmy Conway broke out of the maximum security prison at Western Bay. Conway was convicted of murdering his wife and the attempted murder of a Red Hill police officer. We all know what we're dealing with here. Jimmy Conway rides into this town. He'll be bringing hell with him. Where's the backup? There isn't any. What the hell's going on here? You tell me, son. Oh, God, I love this movie. This movie is so... Ryan Quantine 
stars in it as the rookie sheriff come into town with his wife and he misplaced his gun so he has no gun for a <laughs> lot of the movie because they're, they just moved and it's packed with the towels and at the same time there's a prison break there's this notorious so-called notorious criminal whose half of his face is really charred and burned so he's got this uh, big melted scar face and uh, he's come to town he's headed that way for, for revenge. revenge what kind of revenge? and it plays kind of like a horror movie I mean it plays a little bit like a serial killer kind of movie yeah. Yeah, like a slasher sort of thing, except with guns and, and like he snipes people and stuff like that, or shoots them with shotguns. They play up his menace really well. To give you some footing for Ryan Quantine's character, he's the rookie, and he's not well liked by the boss, who is played by Steve Bisley. Bisley, yes, Goose from Mad Max. Here's the thing about Patrick Hughes: is I really thought that he was going to change Expendables for the better, and it, it, I'll say Expendables Three is the best of the trilogy, but I really thought he was going to ground it more and. I feel like he was more of a gun for hire. You know, uh, Stallone has a habit. No, that's he's absolutely a gun for St hire. Uh, Stallone does absolutely. this. He hires young directors um, or guys who are really good with the craftsmanship. They're not so good at the uh, the acting part. Like George P. Cosmatos, he was one of those guys who was real good at technical stuff which uh, Stallone didn't want to be bothered with. So um, Stallone actually directed Rambo 2 and uh, Cobra. And uh, Kurt Russell used him for Tombstone. But, you know, the credit went to George. So I feel like the director was chosen because he was young. He needed, a, you know an opportunity to do something big to get his name out there so he was probably just being told what to do by Stallone the whole time so I was a little disappointed in that but this is a very distinct vision and if Expendables had gone more yes. serious low key I think it would have been amazing yes well this also harkens to another modern western which is Last Stand with Schwarzenegger where the bad guy is going to come through town and they have to stop him mm -hmm. but this is how you do it you don't do it like they did with Last Stand Last Stand was a dumb movie there were too many decisions made that were wrong yeah too many scenes that were unnecessarily blue screened <laughs> i don't care if it is a pickup shot go in somebody's backyard and no, do it i know kitty it looks so bad in the back and it was campy <laughs> the tone was just too jokey i was like oh come on right so this movie is how you really do it and instead of a big what's your favorite scene i don't really have a favorite scene i have a favorite whole movie i like i like the sequence where he actually first comes face to face with the, the burnt man and he falls down the, the embankment. Um, I like that scene because he the guy had the drop on him and wasn't like, I'm not here for you. And it was awesome. And it just sets up the turn where Ryan Quantine is now, it's no longer menacing to him. It's set up for you to be with Ryan's character and this crappy menacing thing is happening and uh-oh, where's his gun and all this stuff. Then he gets knocked down the embankment because some door thing, whatever, by a car. But that guy could have totally killed him and he wasn't there for him, which gets the audience to right. go like, why didn't he get the drop? And why didn't he shoot him? Why didn't he take care of him? Why did he let that guy go? Because that guy is innocent, which I'm somewhat spoiling. The reason why he's there for revenge is it's a guilty party, and that's the police. Yeah, my uh, favorite scene is the diner. Or no, he's in the bar where he puts a quarter in the machine and plays Black Eyed Bruiser, and it builds up and builds up, and there's people in the building um, that he's going to take out, and they're just kind of like waiting. It's just like this tension thing, but at the same time, it's such a badass song. It sets a tone. I'm like, yeah. Uh, Black Eyed Bruiser is probably one of the greatest songs I've never heard of. Uh, Stevie Wright. I guess he was like a big thing in Australia. He just never had a hit here. Damn shame. Red Hill. It's good. It's just straight up solid good. And it's stylish without being overwrought with uh, cheese. Right. Very lean and mean. Not a wasted moment. Everything, every little tiny little thing matters. Yeah. And 
that's uh it's just like I said, it's a shame that he uh, basically took Expendables 3. Maybe maybe it'll lead to something else, you know, at least that'll show a bigger studio that he can handle a movie that big and he'll find something that he can put his voice into. Yeah, I hope so because a lot of a lot of young directors start out with this one thing that is really there. If they continue going, they could be an auteur if they continue going in that direction. But they end up being a gun for hire. Danny Cannon. And you remember gun Danny Cannon? Hire. He did The Young Americans, which was really good. And then he did Drudge Dread, and that was yeah. it. He was done. He did one of those uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer movies. I think it was... Uh, you remember that thing that you did last summer? I haven't forgotten. I think that was the name of that one. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he does TV. A lot of TV shows. Which is fine if you're gonna... Yeah, that's fine. I hope Hughes goes and jumps over, skips, uses Expendables 3 as a stepping stone to do his... Yeah, actually, he is doing something. Isn't he something big? Or he's at least attached to something big? He mm. got signed recently to develop something. I Hopefully, it's not another gun for hire kind of thing. But, you know, some directors do that and it works. Some don't. I, I, like, we're talking about Walter Hill. When he does gun for hire stuff, it's bad. When he's uh, when yeah. he's really focused on what he wants to do, it's awesome. Patrick Hughes. Oh, he's doing the raid. He's doing the remake of the raid. Right there? That's a crapshoot. We don't know what we're going to do. Huh. Taylor Kitsch is attached with Frank Grillo. I like Frank Grillo a lot. Taylor Kitsch, I'm kind of... If Frank uh, Grillo is confirmed and, and Taylor Kitsch is rumored right now. Taylor Kitsch is fine. Yeah, I actually think John Carter... Patrick Hughes can probably... I think John Carter is severely underrated. Alright, everybody. That is it for video night. I think this is going to be the last of our long episodes. We've been getting shorter and shorter. Well, I think we need to revisit the Western thing. So if we if we do more episodes like this length, yeah. maybe four, maybe yeah, yeah, four yeah. movies instead of six, uh, we'll revisit them and pepper them throughout the year, years, whatever. But yeah, we're mostly going to be like doing double features or singles. Yeah, we found ourselves at a point where we were only doing one episode a month. That's not a lot of content. We're trying to stay more regular. We're eating our fiber, at least our movie fiber. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try to give you one episode every Monday. We'll, you know, just uh, do a mini-sode or uh, what did I just watch or maybe a special. Sometimes I, I hate to say it, but I, I like, I have a short attention span. I like to try new things. Um, so every once in a while you might see like an experimental episode. If you hate it, let us know that it sucks. Uh, if you love it, pour yeah. it on. Uh, just drench it on. I'm going to plug something real quick. What's that? New stupid episodes of What Did I Just Watch? It's a stupid show. It's a cool show. It's a silly show. It's dumb. What Did I Just Watch, for those who don't know, who are just listening to this segment, is crazy weirdo movies, and it doesn't have to be dark or gross. It can be stupid and funny, like Young Einstein is one I want to touch. But I bring in somebody, could be Michael one day, could be a local friend of mine or something. We talk about this movie that we just watched. What Did I Just Watch? Listen to that, please. It's silly fun. We have Zardoz, we have Naked Lunch so far. We've got other summer fun coming up. Have a listen. And that's it for us here at Video Night. Check us out. We have a little page set up on Facebook. You can come and like and hang out and tell us what you think. And uh, that's it from me. That's it from me. Catch you later. Be excellent to each other. Video Night. <laughs>